Okay, hear me now? Ooh, it's a little hot, right? A little loud, no? Is it me? Okay, all right, just right, what we like to hear. Good morning, I am Pastor Bob. I am the father of the senior pastor. We won't mention his name because he's somewhere, somewhere, somewhere. He did call and wish me happy Dad's Day this morning. So that was good. And then, yeah, it's just been good. Hope you're having a good, good day. We welcome those who have joined us online today. We are starting a new series, uh, Tomorrowland, Facing the Future Without Fear. Someone mentioned that movie, uh, Tomorrowland. I tried to get into that thing. It was a little weird, you know, and uh, everybody's obsessed about the future. And, yeah, all the future things were really neat and great until everybody tried to kill everybody. <laughs> you know, I thought, it's just like the same old world, right? So, uh, yeah, yeah, Tomorrowland. Well, for some, there may be a lot to fear, but we're going to learn that we don't need to live in fear at all. Before we get into a little clip here, we're going to be talking about facing the future with hope, and the only hope we have is in Jesus Christ. And you know, the Lord said that we should be prepared, be ready for the unexpected, right? So I got a little clip here. I really dug way back in the archives. Take a take a watch. Now listen, Rich. I'll tell you how we ought to do now, this. Wait a, wait a, now wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm in charge of this thing. After all, I'm the baby's father. Take over, Captain. All right. Now let's see. Now, first of all, one of us has to call the doctor. Who's going to do that? I'll do that. Okay. Soon as we get the signal, you rush to the phone. Okay. All right. Now, you carry the suitcase. Right. I'll look after Lucy. I'll get her coat, see that she gets downstairs all right, and we'll hail a cat. Now, let's rehearse. Okay. Good. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> now, let's make believe that Lucy just came out of the bedroom, see? And she comes out of the bedroom, and she says, the time has come. <laughs> go. Hello, Dr. Harris. We're leaving for the hospital with Mrs. Ricardo now. Goodbye. Hey, that was pretty good. We did that in a few seconds. Sorry. Well, now let's do it again so we'll have everything perfect. Okay. Now, the main thing is to be calm so we don't get Lucy excited. That's right. we got to keep calm. Good. Get right. Put that over right, there so we can start right Get it over there and get it all where it was at the beginning now. Right. Go back over there now. Right. Are you ready? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Now Lucy comes out of the room and she says, The time has come. Go! Hello, Dr. Harris. We're leaving for the hospital with Mrs. Ricardo now. Goodbye. <laughs> Hey, that was even better than before. Yeah, that was wonderful. Okay, now we know what to do. Now let's put this stuff right where it was so we know where everything is. Now all we have to do is just wait. That was fine, kids. That's wonderful. Just think. 
tomorrow night at this time, I'm going to be a father. Yes, sir, and I'm going to be a godfather. And I'm going to be a godmother. Uh-huh. Ricky, this is it. This is, this this is, is it. This is That scene wasn't ever re- uh, played at your house, but uh, maybe some of you can identify with the excitement of it. The point I want to bring out is, uh, no matter how prepared we think we are, are we really prepared? Are we really prepared for the unexpected? Facing our tomorrows without fear, that's... that's That takes a little preparation. We're going to preach from the uh, epistle of Paul. One of the very first, if not the first, that he wrote. The earliest manuscript of his writings. It's to the Thessalonians. And just to set the, uh, the scene a little, here's what was going on. They had heard the gospel preached. They knew about the promise that Jesus would return. But they were being persecuted. They were watching their loved ones, uh, some even being murdered. And of course, through just the natural uh, progression of life, their loved ones were dying. And they were confused. They were afraid that those who had died before Christ come back, would miss the resurrection. And so that prompted Paul to write these words. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe, That Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you 
that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that... We who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Facing a future without fear. Certainly it was a time in the lives of the Thessalonians The future looked rather uncertain. The promise of Christ's return had not yet come to fruition. They were being persecuted. Loved ones were dying. How do we make sense of tragic times in the midst of the chaos? What are we to do? Paul gives us that outline. He precedes these words by telling us in the first three chapters of 1 Thessalonians how we should conduct ourselves as God's holy chosen people. That we are to love, that we are to be kind, we are to be patient, we are to be serving others. I remember reading a story, I can't remember uh, exactly uh, the individual that it was about, but it was about one of our first continental congresses that had joined, that had one of their first sessions back in the late 1700s. And it just so happened as they were convening that there was a full eclipse that happened to to, uh, take part over uh, the northeastern part of the United States, New England, and uh, not having the scientific knowledge that, that we have today about how the sun and the earth and the moon all interact with each other, they thought it was a divine sign of the coming of God. And many of the congressmen ran out into the, to the road uh, looking for family. They were terrified. And I cannot remember, I wish I could remember the individual congressman, that he stood his post, he stood up, and he commanded in a loud voice. He said, gentlemen, if the Lord is coming back, let him find us about our business. Wow. That's really what Paul's saying. Don't fear. Be prepared. Be prepared more than Ricky and Lucy, surely. But you know, that sort of reminds me of us in a little ways in the church. We say we're prepared, and then when calamity hits, when, that, when the, we're expecting, and yet when it happens, we're, we're not expecting. And I've never quite figured that out, why we call it expecting anyway, you know. But when it happens, we're totally We're either unprepared or we totally forget everything we've been trained to do. Paul wanted to ensure the early church. He wanted to let those early suffering Christians know that there is reason to hope. In fact, he says in in, in his opening words, he says, We're not like most people who are without hope. Wow. And why is that? Well, we've been singing about Him this morning, haven't we? We only have one reason to hope, folks. It's not in how prepared we are, but it's in the person, Jesus Christ. He's our only hope. 
And why do we hope? Well, the Word of God explains to us, because He died and rose again. There's the hope. And if we are living in Christ and Christ is living with us, we will live forever. There's the hope. So we have a reason to hope. The hope is Jesus. It's what the Scripture tells us. Let's look at the Scripture again. Can we go to verse 13? That's chapter 5. I need to go back to 4. There we go. Brothers and sisters, we, do, we don't want you to be informed so that you do not grieve like rest of mankind who have no hope. As Paul was writing these words, again, keep in mind, this, this is, if not the earliest, one of the first manuscripts he wrote. The Bible's laid out in an interesting way. We know it's not necessarily put in chronological order as things were written and you can go to different manuscripts, and you will find that sometimes the Gospels are placed in different orders. Definitely the Old Testament books sometimes are placed in different orders. But in researching over 2,000 ancient manuscripts of the New Testament, the order of the Apostle Paul's epistles, the letters to his churches, are always the same order. Always. In over 2,000 ancient manuscripts, it's Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians. Every time. Every time. It's listed in this order. Why? Well, Paul was the great thinker of, of, of Scripture. He gave us so much of, of our doctrine. And so it just, it just makes logical sense to start with the book of Romans because Romans is about justification by faith. And then as we get halfway through the book of Romans, it moves into sanctification by the Spirit. So it deals with the theological issues of being justified through our conversion, through the grace of God, by faith, not by works of man, not by the law of the Old Testament. And that once we are justified and walking by faith, now we are candidates to receive the fullness of God, the Holy Spirit, so that we no longer have to live in the dominion of our sins. And so it's just logical that the epistles start with Romans. Though Romans was not the first epistle Paul wrote, and then it moves on to Corinthians. And Corinthians is about sanctification gone awry. The Corinthian church was a corrupt church. Man, you talk about having issues, having problems. And he calls them babies in Christ. They're yet carnal. In other words, they're still following the flesh and not the spirit. And so Paul, Paul lays the framework of how to get back on track in the, in the book of Corinthians. And, of course, we have the great chapter 13 the love chapter, because love, love is the bond of perfection. When we, when we love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and our neighbors at our, as ourselves, we are complete in Christ. And then the next book was Galatians. 
Galatians is a total denial of the grace that Jesus Christ gave. And so he writes to the church, somebody slipped in among you and, and has deceived you with false teaching. And so now Paul to the Galatians is going back to the beginning and laying the groundwork of justification by faith and grace. And then Ephesians. Ephesians is that center epistle. He speaks of the head of the body. The head is Christ. Christ is the head of the church. He's the head of all of us. We are to submit to Him. In Philippians, he talks about the unity of believers. That we're not to be divided. We're to come together and be one. That one unified body in Christ. We go back to to the Colossians, and here again, there's problems. Somebody's coming in again, spreading false doctrine, and, and they're denying the claims of the gospel. And Paul has to set that right. And then the very first book he wrote was First and Second Thessalonians. And that was his happy church. He commends them for their faithfulness. He, for, he commends them for, for their faithful service. And, and he wants to make sure they're totally prepared and not living in distress. And overly concerned about the future. We're, we're all, it seems we all, especially in these times, are obsessed with what's going to happen tomorrow. We, we just don't know. We don't know about our jobs with, with, with the pandemic and, and, and all that's going on uh, socially. We, we just don't know. We don't know about our jobs. We don't know if we'll be able to support our family, pay our bills, keep our mortgage, have our automobiles. And, and so we're just obsessed about what's going to happen tomorrow. Or maybe it's health issues. We just don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. It, uh, yeah, hey, we're all getting older. And some of us feel it a little more than others. A little sooner than others. But we're getting older. What's, what's tomorrow look like? What, what, who's going to provide for me? How am I going to provide for myself? Will I be able to stay in my home? Will I, will I have to go to assisted living? And on and on. And we wrestle with the tomorrow issues. Because they're uncertain. And so Paul says, look. There's hope for tomorrow. There's hope in Christ. He's coming again. That's the hope. He's coming again. And He's coming with purpose. He's coming to redeem us. He says, you're worried that those who've already died are going to miss the resurrection. He says, but I want to tell you that when Jesus comes again, He's bringing those who have died with Him. The spirits of men and women made just. And those of us who are living... For the Lord today will be caught up in the air and there will be a grand reunion. And I don't know the timing. I don't know if it's a day or it's a, a span of, of eons. I don't know how God's going to work all this out. You know, we're, we're the ones that like to try to figure out when Jesus is coming. And we've all heard the, you know, we've all heard the prophets of doom. And, 
and people going to the caves and, you know, the survivalists and the world's going to end here and there. And all you have to do, uh, pick up the Bible that says no man. Jesus himself says not even the Son. Only the Father knows the time. But he says this, be prepared, watch, be ready. Now, how do we do that? By going about our everyday lives, living for Christ, loving others, doing what God gives us the ability to do, and living that expectation that, hey, someday I'm going to see my loved ones. They're not gone forever. They're not out of my, my reach. We will see each other again. And then he closes the fourth chapter by saying this, encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another. Why? Because the Lord is coming. The last half of the fourth chapter of 1 Thessalonians and the first half of chapter 5 we have to take together as one segment. Because Paul goes on to say, Now, brothers and sisters, about the times and dates, we don't need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Let's just stop right there. And they will not escape. Wow. You see, God's Word says that He is coming to save us from the wrath to come. For those who live in Christ, for those of us who will die in Christ, there's hope. There's always hope with Jesus. But those who are caught unaware, those who are not prepared, those who are living their lives without the hope that Christ brings, it's not good news. It's not good news. You see, God will judge the world again. We can read almost the exact words penned by another apostle. His name is Peter. And he wrote words that are so eerily similar to what Paul is saying. And he talks about how God in the beginning formed the world and the world was covered by water and God used that very water that He formed in creation to destroy the world. We remember Noah's flood, the ark. Only eight souls were saved. Noah and his immediate family. The rest of the world scoffed. And they mocked, and for 120 years, Peter tells us, Peter, he had a lot of patience he, he, and a lot of faith. He worked on that boat. He worked on that ark. 120 years, as people walked by every day, as he was building a ship in the middle of a dry, arid world. And he was getting prepared because he was following God's voice. And the rest of the world mocked and scoffed. And when the floods came, we know what happened, don't we? And Peter says, only this time when God comes, He's going to bring fire. Fire. 
and the very elements themselves will melt with fervent heat. And the world will be again, the heavens and the earth will be purged and cleansed. The wrath of God, the judgment of God will come, and that's a certainty. And so Jesus has come and died and rose again to save us from that wrath, from the coming judgment. They'll be unprepared, it'll be sudden. The time has come. This is it, Lucy said. This is it. And one of these days, God is going to stand on the portals of heaven and He's going to look down upon this world and He's going to say, this is it. And Jesus is going to descend and He's going to give the shout of the archangel and the trumpets of God will sound. You talk about calamity. Not for those who are safe in Christ. Not for those who have died in Christ. But the world will be cast in darkness and chaos. And that's a place I don't want to be. And I don't want to live for that kind of tomorrow where I have no hope beyond what I can see, what I can touch and taste. Paul says, we believe. We believe that Jesus is coming again. We believe that. Do you believe that today? Is this your hope today? That Christ is coming? Wow. We believe. And so as the day approaches, while people are saying, let's move on to the next verse, but you, that's all of us, You're not in darkness. We're not uninformed. Paul's all about making sure we understand what he's telling us. We'll not be overtaken. Neither should that day surprise you like a thief. You are all children of light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then... Let's not be like others who don't have hope, who are going through life with their eyes closed. But he says, let's be awake. Let's be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, be sober, putting on. Here it is. 1 Corinthians 13. That's what I saw here. Paul says, put on faith, love, and hope. That's the big three in 1 Corinthians 13. The greatest of these, of course, is love. For God, here it is, He did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we're awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. Therefore, here it is again. Notice he closed chapter 4 with these words. Here they are again. Encourage one another. Build each other up. Just as in fact you are doing. Oh, that's good stuff. 
He makes the provision for us to live this life without fear of tomorrow. How we live it in the hope and the expectation that as we walk in Christ and Christ lives in us, whether we live or die, we're winners. If we die in the physical before Christ returns, our soul, our spirit goes back to God. And the body sleeps. That was a metaphor. And and the early church borrowed that from the pagan. The pagan culture talked about dying as people sleeping. And so it just carried over in, into this church culture. Well, yeah, that's, that's a good metaphor. It's just like going to sleep. So our bodies are laid to rest. But the Spirit goes back to God. Paul wants to make sure we understand that. And then when Jesus comes, He's bringing all those who have already passed on. He's bringing their spirits back. And we're going to all rise in the air and... God's going to judge the world. Provision, love, hope, faith. We've got to have faith. A lot of songs have been written about that. We've got to have faith. There's a verse in the Gospels that always troubles me, the words of Jesus. Jesus said a lot of things that trouble me. Do you have those verses where Jesus says something and it just, man, you just got to really think on it and it, it just sort of, He says, when I return, will I find faith? And every time I hear that or read that scripture, I have to turn that spotlight inward. Do I have, do I believe? Jesus, do I believe? You know, there's some days, man, where that belief is thin. It's a thin thread. And I'll be driving down the highway or going somewhere, and I'll say, God, is this, you ever do that? God, is this really real? Are you really real? And then his love light shines. And his voice speaks. And you feel the presence of his Holy Spirit beside you. And yeah, this is real stuff. Faith, hope, love. That's what gets you through the tomorrows. That's what makes you steadfast today. So many people living in fear of what's to come, of what's going to happen, and they give no thought about their spiritual preparation. They, they put no trust in the one who's got tomorrow in his hand. Got tomorrow in his hand. I'm going to put my trust there. I don't know what my politicians are going to do tomorrow. They don't even know. I don't want to put my trust in in where society and and social uh, abnormalities are, 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 are going to lead me. It's the blind leading the blind. We're children of light. We're children of light. We're children of the risen Lord. We're children of the one who died for us and rose again, and he's coming again. And so we can face tomorrow. Amen? We're going to sing about that. I'm going to ask our praise team to come up. Yeah, I know. I'm old. So I'm going back into the archives. But while 
I looked at these words and this passage and thought about this theme of Jesus coming again. We don't have to worry because He's already done it for us. He's already died. He's already rose. He's coming again. It's an old Bill Cather tune. You know what? Because He lives, I can what? Amen. Because He lives, I can what? Face tomorrow. Stop fearing tomorrow. Faith. Hope, love, the love of God, hope in Christ's return. Faith in believing He is who He says He is. That'll anchor you. And that'll get you through whatever tomorrow throws at you. Let's sing it. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow.